Welcome to the Finally Marketing Networks podcast. We all know marketing is a very vast array of things and services. You will see kind of the evolution of marketing. We're going to interview guests from all walks of life. Stay tuned and enjoy the Finally Marketing Networks podcast. Well, you guys are in for a treat today. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Barbara Eaton, and she is in the beautiful city and beautiful state of Eagle River, Alaska. It's also where I used to be a youth pastor uh, for four years, and I absolutely love that community and the people there. And it was crazy because I was up in Alaska visiting for the summer, and her and I made the connection. I was like, oh my gosh, you're literally like 20 miles from where I'm staying. Let's do this podcast live in person. We didn't get the video of it in person, just wasn't able to set that up. Uh, at her place, but we have the audio, and that's what you guys are going to be hearing today, but we had a blast. She is a delight and has so much great information, uh, specifically for the chiropractic world, so I'm sure you guys are going to get a ton out of it, uh, but it's fun, so stay tuned for the next episode here in just a few seconds on the Finally Marketing Networks podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Finally Marketing Networks podcast. I'm here with a a really good friend really quickly because we have a ton of stuff in common. I'm here with Dr. Barbara out of beautiful Eagle River, Alaska. Dr. Barbara, how are you today? I'm so good. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you and your audience. I am stoked to have you, and I would love you to just start, introduce yourself, do, uh, tell me a little bit about what the life of Dr. Barbara looks like and what it's like to live in Eagle River. Oh my gosh, it's heaven. It is heaven on earth. And as a fellow Alaskan, you know exactly what that's like. So I'm so thankful that I got to live here. And, you know, I think moving here is one of those things in life that God's always so far ahead of us mm -hmm. and things that we're praying for. Um, I, I'm reading a really interesting devotional right now called Jesus Calling. And it's all about this woman who she um, came to the Lord later in life and then kept this like basically a really uh, a pretty in-depth prayer journal. And then she put it into a, a devotional and they're just reminders about who God is. And she wrote it from a standpoint of almost like Jesus was writing to her. So it was what he was speaking into her throughout her life. Um, and one of them this weekend that really touched me was just the reminder that Jesus says like, Hey, you may not think I'm doing anything on your behalf, but I'm always at work for you. So like, don't ever disbelieve because you're not seeing answers. And in those moments, that's when I want your praise. Mm. Like you don't have to keep telling me the same thing. I know praise me. That's what I want. Cause I'm at work on your behalf. And so Alaska is one of those things. I never... I never wanted to visit Alaska, let alone live here. I met a guy, we fell in love and he was going to Alaska and my kids and I tailed with him, um, came with him back in 2010. And you know, like Alaska is, or living here is, um, like my journey begins back on a farm in Southeastern Michigan. And I had the pleasure of being raised by very hardworking parents who loved the Lord. And I learned at a really early age, you know, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, and wise yeah. right? And I learned at a really young age that I could put in a, a lot of hard work and I would get great results, right? Like we worked really hard and we did have a successful farm. We worked really hard and my mom got her master's degree while raising us you know, worked really hard when I was in high school and graduated fourth in my class, worked really hard and was MVP of the softball team for three years, you know, worked hard, went to Michigan state. Like I, I knew, and it was very familiar to me to get on that, that hamster wheel. And so no matter what in life, I figured, well, I could probably outwork anyone and I was not afraid to take risk. So I'm thankful for that opportunity that my parents gave me as well, whether just from emotional standpoint or even financial of I could take risks and I knew that I would be okay. Like, so I'm going to come in close to all of you right now on this one on financial risk and many individuals act as if, if you make a wrong move, you're going to be out on the streets. I don't know too many people that that's really true about that. If you don't earn money over the next 90 days, are you and your family really going to be on the streets? I really hope not. No. Right. And like I tell my clients, 
You'll never be. You can always call me. So can we just put that to rest? Can we just put to rest that this financial ruin is not going to happen to you? Like, just put it away. You're going to be okay. And life, you'll make great choices and you'll make terrible choices. It's all okay. And that's why, like, one of my coaches taught me about guardrails, Rich Christensen, and how important it is to have guardrails in our life. And since we're talking about marketing, let's have some marketing guardrails. So marketing guardrails are how much money can you really afford for this endeavor? Like, let's say you're buying a new Riverside. Software. Yeah, a new software, right? And you're not sure if it's going to work or not. And so you're really deliberating. Well, what what is the guardrail? How much is it going to cost you? And what are you defining as will it work or not? Because many times we don't even know how much is earning enough money. And that's really the, the point if it's okay to take this marketing conversation in a different direction. If you don't know what you want and where you're going, you will fall prey to everybody else's shiny objects because they know where they're going and they want you to come and buy their shiny object. So one of the most critical things in any marketing is get clear on your messaging. Be grounded in your messaging. What is your truth. And I don't care what it is that you're selling. There has to be some form of what is your truth about it. There, there's an illustration of, of a receptivity stool. So if you can imagine the top of a stool being receptivity and one of the legs is certainty. What is your certainty to deliver? Not results. To deliver what you said you were going to do. And I see so many marketing people saying they can deliver results. No, you can't. All you can assure somebody of is I will show up for you. And these are the campaigns I'm going to be putting in place. And these are the follow-ups I'm going to do. And these are the ads that I will run for you. And based on my experience, this is what most people get. But here's what I'm 100% committing to you to do is I will make sure you have four campaigns every week. I will make sure that we have follow-up that looks like this and this and this. But the reason that many of you probably have lack certainty is you're trying to be certain of results that are somebody else's message, not your own. You cannot be certain of that. And if they're not grounded in their message, how are you going to be grounded in what you're delivering? You won't be. So then we take that receptivity stool and one of the legs is already weak because you don't have certainty. The second leg is goodwill. Can somebody really sense your goodwill? Can someone sense what are you up to? What is your truth? What do you bring to the relationship? And every single thing in marketing, just like life, is based on a relationship. And if you see people as numbers, you will forever have to chase numbers. If instead you see them as individuals who have families, who have dreams, who need hope, who are looking for answers and solutions and partnership, it will totally change the way in which you do business. So the second prong is goodwill. What is your goodwill and are they open to that? And the third, which is the most important, is do you have a horse in the race? Do you need me to sign up with you to run my Facebook ad so you can make your mortgage payment? I'm not saying it's bad, but if that's the energy that you bring to this sale, it will be felt we're energetic creatures. Do you have a horse in the race too of, hey, if you say yes, that makes me feel better about myself because here's the deal, we're servicing, we're not in business for pleasing and there's a big difference. So having a horse in the race comes in many different forms. It can be that you need that money and when it comes to business, money is about profit and loss. It's 100% about profit and loss. And there are so many people who have all of these crazy ideas about money. That's why I do a a mindset masterclass and I do a money masterclass to help individuals understand what is money. I heard it recently said on a post on one of my Facebook things, oh, well, money is energy. Everything's energy. This table is energy. So why do we state something that's so obvious? Money is energy. Money, all it is, is it's a tool, right? If you want to take your family out for dinner, what do you have to have? You usually got to have some money. You got to have some money. If you want your car to run down the road, what do you have to have? You usually got to put some gas in that car. 
Got a money, yeah. right? So money is a tool that we buy goods and services. We buy experiences. We buy money by making a difference and making an impact. And therefore, our commitment to and our mastery of making a difference and making an impact is what secures our financial future. You will never have enough money to feel like financially free because it's not a feeling. You either have it or you don't. Hmm. You either have the income that allows you to make the decisions that you're making or you don't. And at the end of the day, none of us really have to go to work. True. You might not be able to have all the things you're wanting if that's what you're getting at. But yeah, you don't have to go to work. Yeah. You know, I. it was really interesting this summer. Some of my private clients were here and... I took them into town and dropped them off. And, and obviously, you know this, Anchorage has a terrible homeless problem. Yeah, sure. and, and if you didn't know it, if you just looked at the snapshot that I saw, you would think those people had life figured out. They were all together, which is what we like to do as humans. Laughing, giggling. One of them was passed out, but looked like they were just relaxing in the sunshine, right? Yeah. They were passing around a bottle. They were having a great time, not a care in the world, no deadlines, no stress, no mortgage payment, no gas bill, no car payment. And yet how many people say that's what they want? That's true. Maybe it's something different is what somebody's looking for. But if you're not clear where you're going and what you want, you'll probably be on somebody else's road and then looking for the next one. And that's what happens when we do this comparison thing. If you don't know where you're going and you're not grounded, you will look for tools nonstop because what you've, because you're watching other people and what they're doing. And so-and-so did that thing and they got really good results. So I'm going to go over there. Well, how do you know that's a result that's in alignment with what you want? So we have to know what do we want? What impact do you want to make? What is your story? What is your truth? What do you want to be remembered for and by? Is it just marketing or what's on the other side of it? There has to be something more than just that. Or else when this is, when you get burned out from this, you'll just look for the next thing and you'll just keep going on that hamster wheel, hamster wheel, hamster wheel. And then eventually what happens is, is we get tired of being on the hamster wheel, right? And this is called burnout. But a hundred percent, like I've been coaching chiropractors for 22 years. A hundred percent of the time when I've seen people and they told me they're burned out or I've experienced burned out, burnout, it's because my income didn't match my effort, right? Because most individuals, if you ask them who are saying that they're burned out, if you were earning twice as much, would you still be considered like thinking you're burned out? They're like, no. Like, well then let's, let's solve this issue. Instead of just like giving up. Let's solve it. Let's really look at what it is. And most of the time, burnout also comes from a lack of understanding of the three principles of mind, thought, and consciousness, and that our bodies and our minds are meant to rest, that you'll have way more fresh ideas, new thinking, and wisdom from above if you just take those moments of rest. And even God had to rest. I always have to mention that. Jesus rested. Yeah. I mean, his, his word tells us on Sunday... Rest, rest. You know, and scripture tells us to like renew your mind. What does that mean? Well, what that really means is when an experience in life happens, especially those hurtful things, we're the only ones who choose to carry it forward and relive it over and over and over and over and over again. God has it built into our system to clean that out. So let's say that you got turned down. You had a great sales proposal. And you got turned down. And so the next time you go in, you have a horse in the race because you want this person to make sure they say yes. The last person said no. So now it's that much more critical that you make this sale in order to be able to pay your mortgage. So now you're bringing that past experience into right now. Well, the person you're talking to now wasn't in that last experience. And so scripture tells us that God says his load is light, right? His burden is light. Like, when an experience happens, we can just leave it up, like give it up to him and move forward. We're going to have clean thinking as long as we take that time to rest. Yeah. And having that burden does not make anything easier. And that goes for anything that's work related. That's relationship things that are, if, if you have that weight and you're trying to go forward, you're going to start pushing that off onto somebody else who really, that's not their burden to bear. If I was, if I came in here today and I was really, really upset, I'm going to probably push a little bit of that off on you whether you want to or not and maybe that's going to go into now your next meeting 
and it's going to blow up. So it's best, and it's way easier said than done for so many of these things, but to try and forgive, forget, or whatever you need to do to get rid of it to go on to that next thing, or it's just going to mess you up and possibly pass it on to somebody else. And, you know, the only reason that we do that is we don't really understand what human is and what it means to be human. So, you know, I've been a part of the the personal growth and development movement or whatever for several decades. And what it's done is it's basically said, here's a series of good thoughts, have those. Here's a whole bunch of bad thoughts, don't have those. And then what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And it just says, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then I look at me and I compare myself to you. Well, instead, there's an invitation to come up here and instead understand what is human. Like thinking creates our reality. We don't live in reality. We just think that we do. We live in our thinking. Because if my thinking is that I, I, I grew up with this thinking and I don't know where it came from. I'm thankful it's been on board for 50 some years. And that is that everyone on the planet wants to know me. Hmm. That's my thinking. So guess what I see? That person does, and that person does, and that person does, and that person does. So then when we come back to the stool, the receptivity stool, we've got certainty, we've got goodwill and horse in the race. Well, if I already believe everyone wants to know me, it's only going to bring that whole stool, make it more sturdy, right? Yeah. So our thinking creates reality. Whereas if I think, oh, no one likes marketers. All marketers are cheaters. I saw a marketer who did that and he was a cheater. So I'm for sure not going to do that. Well, he did that. That thing wasn't the bad thing. It was the person using it. So thinking creates a reality. And this goes back to if you don't know where you're going and what you want, you'll forever be all over the place trying to make sense of things. And, and maybe this would help. Like I'm going to bring all of you into the kitchen with me for a minute. And this is what I see a lot of business owners doing is I'm, I'm running around my kitchen and I go over here and I grab some almond flour and I put it on the counter and then I run over here and, and I grab a, a bowl and I bring it over and I set it down and I look at it and then I go over and I get a rolling pin and then I go up into the pantry and, and I get a canning jar and then I run over here and I get a big bag of, of salt and then I, I run over here and I get a rolling pin and I set everything down. I have all of these tools. And all of these tools are designed to do something, right? Yeah. And then you watch me and I take the rolling pin and I am just rolling for all I'm worth <laughs> and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. Like, Barb, what are you doing? Like what? I bought this tool. I bought this rolling pin and it's supposed to be the best one. So I'm using it. <laughs> and you're like, but, but what are you doing with it? I don't know. I was just told it works really, really good. So I'm just doing it. Going nowhere. Going nowhere. Because <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. But if I had a recipe and I knew I wanted to make that thing for my husband when he came home for dinner tonight, now I can choose the right tools. Now I can use them in the right measure. Now I can put them in the right order. But if we don't know where we're going and what we want, we'll just start buying tools. And, and my personal story to go off of that that you reminded me of as you're talking is, you know, obviously, so I was obviously raised in a Christian home and have, I was homeschooled my whole life. So my mom was very invested in us growing up while my dad was you know, working. And we, as we were growing up, I knew from my mom's teaching, my dad's teaching what I wanted in a wife one day, you know, I was like, oh, I want, you know, uh, somebody who's, of course, I wanted a Christian. I wanted somebody who wasn't crazy i know all these different things i started looking for in a woman and so as i was going through high school and uh, i was playing football yes i was homeschooled but played football for the public school all that is you know you'd see you see girls and then something would come up oh they're they didn't meet all the the check boxes that i had in my mental head of like oh no that's not wife material and i was only i wasn't looking to just date like a lot of people were just like oh, i'm gonna date to date yeah like, no i want to date because i wanted to <clears throat> get married one day i really wanted to do yeah you know finally you know, settled on, met, met my now wife uh, when I was uh, 19. And when I met her, got to know her, I was like, that's the one. I want that one, you know? And so long story short, obviously got married. and But she checked all the boxes. She checked all the boxes of, obviously, she was, she was a Christian woman. And she had drive. And she was a hard worker. And all these different things. And I was like, perfect. I didn't have to, like, date around to find that. And I didn't have, I just, because I knew what I wanted. And I was waiting until I found it. And then I went after it instead of wasting time, wasting money going after other people that were not the one I, God wanted me to be with. And so when you're talking about that, I was like, oh, I had that in my head of like what I wanted and finally 
thankfully found it. Took a yeah. while. It took a while. I wanted it earlier. I was like typical teenager. Like, oh, I, I want a girlfriend like everybody else when I'm 16 right. or whatever. No, I didn't have that. <laughs> right. But you wouldn't have known she checked the boxes if you hadn't had a checklist. And if you hadn't spent time and thought and prayer about sure. what is the best wife for you. Who is she? And what will you bring to her life? Right? If we just borrow on somebody else's, you know, from some man's magazine or some woman's magazine, because somebody else said this is what a wife is supposed to be or this is what a husband is supposed to be, like, maybe not for you. Yeah. And that's da- it's a, such a dangerous slope. It really is. I mean, I know, um, as you were talking about earlier with, oh, I have all these debts. I have this house payment and this car payment, all these things. You know, I, uh, I remember one of the sayings from, you know, most people have heard of Dave Ramsey before and um, his Financial Peace University he does. And one of the things he says in that course, my wife and I took years ago when we got married, was uh, so many people pay for, the, okay, they're at a stoplight. He talks about being at a stoplight with your car. And he goes, you, you pay for a car you can't afford uh, with the money you don't have to impress the person that you don't like at the at this traffic light. And just how you like, but you're like, I got this super cool car, but you really can't afford it. You really shouldn't have bought it in the first place. And who you're just trying to impress people with it. I was like, man, that's so true. I know that mindset of getting in going, oh, I want to get that thing because I think people will think I'm successful. I want to do that, whatever it could be. And that, that one always resonated, that statement, because I see that people I know struggle with that. And that could be the same in business, too. I want that really shiny office, that really brand new office building or that uh, super sweet website or logo or I don't know, you could just go on and on with those things like, well, that other person has it, so I know I have to have that too to be successful like they are. Maybe that's not always the case when it comes to, I mean, I think everybody should have a logo and a website, but there's other things. I think you might be chasing the other guy who's successful in another state or another city. So I want to tell all of you this. It's about sales. Ooh, let's dive into sales. It's not your website and it's not your logo. I, I know someone very well who kind of started his online journey, actually two individuals about the same time I did in 2017 when I moved more, you know, when I started the boot camp, and I worried, I like my focus was on serving people. It wasn't, do I have the nicest website? Do I have all of this image stuff? It was on serving people. Where are people to serve and how can I connect with them? And I knew the connection was never going to be through a website per se, right? I knew it was going to be out with the people, having communications with them, Facebook lives. Like I've done, I couldn't even tell you how many Facebook lives I've done. Like (laughs) so many. And it was tons of fun while I did it. It served a phenomenal purpose. We have amazing content from it. Great relationships were started. And and the reason I bring that up is somewhere somebody could have told you before you start your business, you've got to have a logo and you've got to have a website and you've got to have all of these things. I'm here to tell you, you've got to have sales. <laughs> you've got to have sales. You have to have people who want what you're offering and pay you money for it. But if you have a horse in the race and you're just wanting, like it makes you feel better, you know, serve yourself broke, you will be that. You will be broke. Money and business is about profit and loss period. It's not about your worth. You cannot possibly get your worth through money. It just doesn't come like that. You are a hundred percent worthy today. You can never be less worthy or more worthy. You are a hundred percent always will be always have been. So it is not attached, attached to your income at all. And I hear people say, Oh, I have to raise my fees. Like I don't value myself enough. I have to raise my fees. What? This doesn't even make sense. So Know this, that price is what is paid and is determined by the seller. Value is what somebody gets and is determined by the buyer. I can't create value for you. You have to create value. It's kind of like, so let's say that we, you don't snow machine, do you? Oh, I love snow machine. Oh, I mean, snow I don't machine? anymore living in Florida, but I, okay, oh, yeah. so So, you know, I don't know that I've ever been as thirsty as snow machining in the mountains and powder. Right. When you're sweating, it's cold. Like the air when like you're sweating because you're working so hard, but the air is cold. Right. Yeah. And so then there's like that whole dehydration dry thing that no one thinks Alaska is dry, but it's dry here. Right. It's super dry. You so badly want a bottle of water. At that point, what value does that water have for me? (laughs) And you can't create the value. I just created it because I've been working my ass off. 
and I'm now physiologically really thirsty. So that, that glass of water that I could potentially have or right here, your water bottle, right now doesn't matter. But if we were in that situation, it would really matter. Oh, yeah. And so again, this is why you have to be grounded in your message. So you can be a flag for people to be like, that's what I want. And you know, there's been times I haven't been grounded in my business. I opened my chiropractic practice in December of 98 in a town of 5,000 people. Everyone told me I have to open in a big town. I said, screw you, I'm not. <laughs> they told me like, there's only a perfect time to open. That's in the spring. So it was December. I thought that was a fabulous time to open. Um, it was back in the big insurance days. I wanted to be all cash. And I'm in southeastern Michigan. Winter. Right? Like, bring it on. And something that I had done, especially back then, that most other people didn't do, is I hired a business coach five months before I ever opened my practice. Because they didn't teach me in chiropractic school how to be business people. It was called chiropractic college. Not business college. It was called chiropractic college. Mm. I went there to become a chiropractor. Not a business owner. Not yeah. a business owner. An institution like that is a terrible place to learn how to do business. <laughs> no, thank you. They get by on what? Donors. Is that what you're going to do in business? Get by on donors? Probably not. You're, oh, you're going to sure. deliver a service and get paid. So I opened my practice and by God's grace, I went from zero to 180 office visits a week in 89 days. Wow. Like, wow right. That's like, that's impressive. I'm in my twenties and killing it. And I kept growing and kept growing. And my coach asked me if I, if I wanted to start coaching chiropractors, I was like, yeah, what's my mission? Serve people. I'm in. And so while in practice, I started coaching chiropractors and Long story short, eventually sold my practice and, and then just continued to coach. So I started coaching chiropractors in 99. In 2010, we moved here. And when I met my husband, I was a single mom. And even when I was in practice, I was married to a chiropractor, but he didn't really like working. And so I, I, I took care of that and I was really good at it. And I got lots of praise too. Which felt way better than being home changing diapers, right? Like yeah. there's, there's a lot more strokes on your back, pats on your back. And I had gotten a lot of praise out of the hamster wheel. Remember at the beginning of our conversation, sure. like work hard, work hard, work hard. Woo woo. There's all the team. Well, raising babies, I was working hard, working hard, working hard, but there was no one coming along, patting me on the back. And I had this Filling fancy degree. Yeah. So business was the way for me. So then in, in 2013, it doesn't really matter. At some point, I kind of lost my way. So after you got to Alaska, after you got to Alaska, yeah, after happened. I got here, because because I finally had somebody else who could help foot the bill, like my now husband. I decided, like, it's kind of nice being a pampered woman. Like all these other women that I've seen do it throughout my life, like that kind of don't suck. And so I started just focusing on myself. So this is like a word to everyone who's listening. If you're only focused on yourself, it is a, a, a really fast track down to the bottom and the depths of where you've ever been because we weren't designed just for ourselves. We were designed to make an impact. We were designed to be in community. We were designed to put forth for the future, not just for ourselves. You don't need to learn to love yourself. That's been on board since you were born. Look at a child. You don't have to teach them to love themselves. You don't have to teach them to get out of their comfort zone. You don't have to do teach them to do things in spite of fear. They just do them. And all of that is on offer for all of us each and every day. We just forgot. Just forgot. I just started like coasting. Like began telling myself that I didn't really like being a business owner anymore. Yeah, I was done with that. Like I, I'd had a good run at it. And had the trophies and all the accolades, and, and I was kind of done with it. To the tune of, in 2016, I earned $46,000. My first year in practice, I did a quarter of a million. Jeez. And now this much later, I'm doing $46,000. I finally woke up in 2017 to the hamster wheel again <laughs> through our friend Grant Cardone. Hmm. And I... I love the 10x rule and be obsessed or be average and sell or be sold. And I read those books and listened to them 
like there's no tomorrow. I'm like, that's it. I'm getting back at it again on that hamster wheel. Bam, like grinding <laughs> harder than anyone ever has, right? Like fire is just coming out of my feet. I'm going so hard. And it worked really well, like really well. 2019, I did 1.2 million. That's a big change. That's nice. a big change, right? From 46,000 to 1.2 million. That's a huge change. One of the keys though was I planted my flag. I knew who I wanted to serve. I build badass female chiropractors who are instinctively successful. I was extremely clear on what it was that I was doing and why I was doing it. I wanted to serve those women. I wanted to call women out of the woodwork who had felt like I don't fit in with anyone. And I, I made a house and a tribe for us in, in the boot camp. But you know, here's what happens on the hamster wheel. If you invite more people on, have you ever seen lots of people on a hamster wheel? No, I've seen multiple hamsters on a hamster wheel, and it's kind of chaotic. It, chaotic, right? <laughs> well, humans, we only have two feet. Like, we're probably not going to go very well. And if you've seen the, the circus, they only do it for, what, a couple of minutes, maybe? When they're running like this together? It's not a life strategy, because somebody gets bloodied. Somebody's going to get hurt. And that's what happened. I got hurt. I ended up having to have surgery mm. in 2019. Awesome, awesome year. So why am I blowing my back out and under the surgeon's knife? Well, for something really simple. And that is, I didn't really understand what it's like to just live in peace. What it's really like, that it's, it's not a strategy. It's, it's the way in which it's what's on board, living in peace. So now when it comes to a marketing decision, I look in the direction of where I'm going. Like, what is it that I want to do? What impact do I want to have? What is my message and then it's really easy to say yes or no. Even in 2019, I was still, I was on the hamster wheel. So I was just running as fast as I possibly could. But here's the truth. There's no amount of effort and no amount of work that will ever suffice to cover up our insecurities enough. And insecurity really in its truest form is ego. And ego is about being right. And I finally had to decide, I don't care if anyone thinks I'm right. This is my message. And there's nothing to argue with about it because this is my message. This isn't anyone else's. I'm not chasing anyone else's dream. I have my own. Do you know that MLK's famous speech was 16 minutes long? No. 16 minutes. We only quote, what, probably 10 seconds, 15 seconds of it. I mean, at least everybody knows mostly that big important part. But I know there's more. What else did he say? And where was he going? I have a dream. I have a dream. Come along. I have a dream. Come along. And you know, along the way, when I was talking about losing my way, in like 2012, Amazon was just starting to get pretty big. And it was projected, no one projected it to be where it's at, right? Mm -hmm. And so it sounded like, well, that's going to be easy. I'll just become an Amazon seller. Because the only thing I was chasing at the time was money. So I was willing to go here and do this and willing to go here and do this and willing to go here and do this and willing to go here and do this because I was just chasing money all over the place. Didn't know where I was going or what I wanted. Yeah. But as soon as you get clear about where you're going and what you want, everything else just falls in line. It's like marrying your wife. You figured it out. You saw her like, bam, done. <laughs> you know, like now there's babies and now there's all of this. But you knew what you wanted and where you were going. The truth of the matter is for, for listeners and, and business owners is number one, cut yourself some slack. Just cut yourself some slack. Like it's, it's a big experiment. Life is a big experiment. You're going to have amazing years and you're going to have crummy years. 2019, 2020 were even huge years for me. And then this year, the first five months of the year, I've earned more money in these first five months than I ever have. Doing less work and living in way more joy. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. I, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened with a message and an impact of giving hope to individuals and helping them see that they're so much better and so much more brilliant than what they believe, what they were believing now. Because that insecurity comes up and that ego comes up and says, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And it shuts out truth. And if we don't have truth, we just chase, we chase around fantasies. So obviously grew up in Alaska. We moved to Florida. 
uh, as we were going, people I know there was a lot of people going, whoa, are you sure you're, you're supposed to move to Florida? It's a huge drastic change. And I was like, that's what we both feel like we're supposed to do because we were selling kind of everything. We're going to restart in Florida. Sold everything. Anything that fit into the Kia Sorento is what's going down to Florida is what we got down to. So we had our dog and everything else in the Kia Sorento. And so my pastor gave me some super good advice, the one that's here in Eagle River. And uh, shout out to Ed Gardner, even though I don't know if you're going to listen to the podcast or not. But he's like, he sat me down. He goes, you're going to have a lot of pressure from people with this move that's you're going down to. He goes, if you get down there, he goes, I don't wish this on anybody, but if you get down there and it flops and it fails miserably and you have to come back to Alaska because that's where family is and that's where you're comfortable with, don't think that you weren't supposed to go down there in the first place. He goes, sometimes God calls us to go to do something and it fails and it doesn't work. Doesn't mean that you weren't listening correctly because that's what you'll hear immediately. He goes, if it'll fail and you go back to Alaska, people go, I told you you weren't supposed to do that. I told you it was going to fail. He goes, but they really have no idea. It's only between you and God that was that really supposed to, was it really a God thing or not? And I was like, that advice was really humbling and really comforting for me because we got down there going, yeah, if this does fail, it's, it's okay because we do feel like this is what God's telling us to do and move down to Florida. And obviously it's been great. We love it down there. We miss friends and family in Alaska. But I think people need to also hear that message to know if you're going into business and maybe it flops or it fails or whatever, it doesn't mean you weren't supposed to go into business because I'm sure we learn a lot of things. I'm sure you've learned a lot of things through the down years, the failure years that you can use to have a better future that's later on. So I don't know how that anybody's listening, but that was some of the best advice I've ever gotten and have used it and given it to people for years now. Um, well, I think that that calls into like, what is failing anyway? We all say we're afraid to fail, but what, what is it? What is the definition of that? And I guess it's different for every person too. Cause and maybe in each situation it's different. I mean, I know if I get a 50% on a class, I failed that class. A 50% return on your investment, you are knocking it out of the park. <laughs> it's true. Right? <laughs> it, it's really critical. And again, if you know, like run your own race, have your own definitions. I think it's so critical to remember that life is long. You know, I, I had to sell my dream home after going through divorce. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is awful. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, it's, and we lost it in short sale. No one cares. And you know what? Honestly, I think that was one of the best lessons I've ever learned. And that takes away a lot of risk financially. Like, what's the worst thing could happen? You take my house away? <laughs> I know how to earn money and buy another one. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. You take my fortune away? Okay, it wasn't mine anyway. God gave it to me on, on lease for a short period of time. So it really allows us just to be like a kid and just to really just grasp hold of every new mercy, every new joy, every new thing that comes up today, knowing that God purposefully put it in our lives for a reason. Before I opened my practice, I was obsessed with this book. I'm looking for it on my shelf while we were talking. I can't, I've obviously loaned it to somebody, which is <laughs> terrible. And it's called Entrepreneurial Genius by Gene Landrum. And Gene Landrum is the starter of Chuck, the creator of Chuck E. Cheese. Hmm. And I remember reading that book and it's, it's, it's like 10 to 15 pages. Basically, they're, they're biographies about a bunch of different amazing entrepreneurs. Not just now, but in the past. There's like Coco Chanel, J.P. Getty, Donald Trump, this weird guy called Jeff Bezos, who I remember even reading it. And I started that was the, like the last one in the book. And he was a bookseller. And I, I honestly remember thinking like, what a goofball. I don't know why he's in this book. What a dumb idea. No, who, how can you make a bunch of money selling books? And several of them, part of their legacy was bankruptcy or multiple bankruptcies. And before I opened my, like right after I opened my practice, it was like probably, well, I know it was planting season. I'm a farm girl, right? So it was planting season and my dad came over. I made him dinner because he was working in a field near us. And I was like, dad, I don't know what to do. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm reading this book and all these really successful entrepreneurs all have at least one bankruptcy under the belt. Like, I think I have to be bankrupt. <laughs> he's like, I'm so proud of you. Honey. Yeah. And he's like, well, maybe we don't have to go to that extreme. But, but in my mind, it's like if these successful people went through bankruptcy and they're okay, like I can do that. Like I could be bankrupt. No problem. And it was really interesting how it just like, it made that like a charge neutral as well. Like, 
bankruptcy, whatever. Like people have it and they come back all the time. So your today has nothing to do necessarily with your future, right? Like the things that we think are like, today aren't probably going to be that important tomorrow. So that's one. And this last lesson I want to leave all of you with is in that same book, there was a portion about Richard Branson. And when he was a little guy and, and I'm only doing this from memory. So if any of you are listening to this and you've heard the story differently, you probably have, but this is what my memory recalls, which is so funny because thinking creates our reality, right? (laughs) Thinking creates our reality. And we even make up our memories. Mm, I've heard that. We make them up. They happen. Like, do you and your wife ever have, like, a differing um, synopsis of arguments you've had? Oh, all the all the time. And you just, what? things will, re, will relive a story. And I'll be like, saying this, she goes, no, 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 that didn't happen. I'm like, no, if 100% happened. I didn't, it just, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, you're completely, we both saw and lived the same thing, but we have totally different memories of it. So, yeah, carry on. There, <laughs> yes. So, it's our personal thought matrix. So, in that personal thought matrix, which is what gives our experience of life if we don't really understand how to also tap into wisdom and the fresh thinking and the new ideas that God has on offer for us. But um, so in that personal thought matrix, we have our habitual thinking, our irrational thinking, our memories, which are all made up, the repackaged stuff that has been taught to us, like save for a rainy day. That sounds like a terrible idea. I don't (laughs) want a rainy day, right? I love my friend Jeff Soha says, He's a a really high-end financial planner, and he says, this is my job. It's for you to tell me how much money you want for yourself in the future, and I make sure it gets there. That's good. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, in 10 years, do you want, is this the amount that you want? Well, let's just make it happen. And then let's create a plan if you decide you want to get there faster. Instead of this idea, because remember that words cast spells. Words cast spells. So if I'm saving for retirement... What does that mean? I don't want to retire. Do you want to retire? I mean, I, it's a trick question. See, I want to be able to do whatever I want, but I still love Stop. work. Hold on. Wait. Okay, carry on. You do what yeah. you want right now, don't you? I do, for the most part, yes. So I, I don't see ever not working because I love what I am I love what I do, and I love getting to know new people and helping, helping people. So that I want to – and I always am thinking of new business ideas. You and I could talk for literally hours because I'm like – every day I'm like, I go to my wife. Babe, I thought of another new business idea. That'll never stop. I know. I just love the entrepreneur spirit that I've had since I was a kid. So that'll never stop. But I want to be able to, let's just go go away for a year or two and come back. That I probably couldn't do right now. But Have you tried? No. We did a road trip across the country for a month. We did That was fun. We did it. We made it all the way up here. So doing it for a year or two would be a little interesting. So five years ago... If someone had proposed to you that you would take a month off, would you have thought, like, no way can we do that? Yeah, I would have said, probably probably not. And you just did it. Yeah, it was fun. The point is, is what we think is impossible today just becomes, like, happenstance tomorrow. Like, the money you're earning now, if you had earned that in high school, you'd be like, I'm the boss. (laughs) Right? But the income you earn now... Suddenly, it's the same amount. It won't be enough in five years, hmm. even though it's the same pile of money. Like $30,000 can only be $30,000. It can't be a lot. It can't be a little. It can't be expensive. It can't be inexpensive. It has no thing other than it's $30,000. And just like this idea of retirement, well, then I can do what I want. Can we all agree we're all doing whatever we want anyway? I mean, no one's coming to you with a gun on your head saying you have to go to work or you have to like you have to be on your computer today it's true so for the most part we're all already doing what we want and we act like it has to be out there and it's already right here i just want to have to not worry about money great don't worry about it because i haven't seen that worrying does anything that's the truth well no what i mean is i just want to make sure i can pay all my bills all right add up your bills how much are your monthly bills can you pay them no all right well you got to earn more or spend less pretty simple so this idea of i want to not worry about money which means pay my bills just pay them and cut out the worrying like it's not that big a deal but we sure create so much chaos for ourselves because we don't understand those principles and we just get all all wadded up and wild in our thinking 
instead of just settling down. Michael Neal talks about it like living in periods instead of commas. Just live in the period. I want to do what I want. Period. Huh. What's that look like? Huh. Pretty much what I'm doing now. Oh, beautiful. I like it. That's it. So going back to Richard Branson. So he was a pretty little guy, like maybe seven. And his mom really wanted to teach him that he could take care of himself. That he didn't have to fear. Well, he didn't know that she wanted him to learn these lessons, but she did. So she told him, pack your lunch, get your bike, put it in the, in the car, we're going to go for a ride. So she took him out to the outskirts of town, <laughs> dropped him off, and told him, like, I love you, you're going to be fine, now get your way home. You know, he started pedaling, and there were periods that he was so proud of himself. Like, look at me, I'm just a little guy, and I'm making this happen. There were periods on that journey, he was pissed. Like... <laughs> What kind of a mom drops her kid off, right? There were times he was scared. Like, what's going to happen to me? And he eventually pedals home and he gets there. And it taught him, I can do things. And I can experience all kinds of different emotions. And I'm still okay. And his mom was willing, because she knew he'd be safe, for him to be temporarily uncomfortable because of what it would produce. And now look, he's the first non-government entity into space. So what are we training up in our kids? A box of insecurity, comfort, want to make sure little Johnny and little Mary, their feelings are never hurt. I'm not saying intentionally hurt your kids' feelings, but also recognize like there's a bigger story at play here. Just like in our lives, there's a bigger story at play. Like Today isn't the last day of your life. It's a day. And if it was the very best day of your entire life, what would it look like? What if every day that's how you woke up and said, this has the makings to be my very best day ever? What does it even look like? And we wonder why we have shitty days day after day after day. We didn't consciously look in the direction of creating anything different. Yeah, you wake up going, oh, it's Monday. I hate Mondays. Mondays suck. Like, you start doing that, and then right. you're like, well, it's probably going to be a really bad day then. So, you know, I've, I've learned this about the week, the work week has a responsibility. The weekend also has a responsibility. And if we don't have each live up to their end of the bargain, it just becomes a wash, and it all looks the same. Here's what I mean. If all week long you tell yourself, I'll make it up on the weekend. Like, I don't have time to write this copy today. I'll make it up on the weekend. And then the weekend comes and Saturday doesn't look any different than Friday or Thursday. And Sunday doesn't either. And then Monday rolls around and all it looks like is a different day on the calendar. But energetically, it doesn't feel any different. And the only reason you had time on the weekend is you didn't give the weekend its responsibility which is fun and recharging and adventure and excitement. The weekend has a responsibility just like the work week does. And what it makes me excited to do on Mondays is like, hey, it's my opportunity to make an impact. Today's going to be the best day ever for me to make an impact. And this is what it'll look like. And then on the weekend, like I, I can't let Friday's work fall onto Saturday. Saturday's already booked up, man. We're going riding. I'm going to go be with my grandson. We've got stuff going on at church. I don't have time for work this weekend unless they all just blend in to be the same. That's a good, really good analogy that I've actually never heard put that way before. And I obviously agree. Like, we look forward to our weekends to just chill, watch a movie, be lazy, or whatever you want to do on the weekends, or go out and explore. Uh, we've loved doing that, of course, being here in Alaska. Hatcher Pass. It's like yeah, our favorite, so. beautiful, right? Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't mean, like, live for the weekend. Only 11% of Americans are said to enjoy their vocation. 11%. I absolutely love what I do. I and love it, it. And it shows. You can feel it. Yeah. When I'm talking to you. I love what I do. And anyone that's listening, if you don't love what you do, choose today to find it. Life is way too short just to go through the grind. And there's no amount of money that will make up for being on the wrong path. Just won't. Well, I know you and I could talk for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know we both have meetings to get to for after this sure. one. So we'll we'll wrap it on this one, but we can always do another episode uh, together later on. We'll just have to be not in the same room. You yeah. Know, we can do it remotely this next time. So I wanted to leave one tip because we started with it at the beginning. And that is you asked about introductions or mm -hmm. said something about introductions. And I'm going to give credit to my really good friend, Matthew Luke, who's the author of How Social Media Made Me Rich and It Can You Too. 
And we were both speaking at a conference and we were asked, you know, I, he was asking me and I was asking him like, who's doing the intros? Cause it's a really big deal. How you get set up before you speak, whether that's for a podcast or it's for, especially like as a keynote speaker is really critical. Like if, if I told you I earned seven figures consistently in my business while also working three days a week, <laughs> a lot more you're going to listen to, right? Yeah. Versus if I just, if I was just introduced as this is Dr. Barbara Eaton. No. So I'm just, I'm teaching you and I'm teaching everyone yeah. like that. That intro is so important because it puts in the mind of the audience what's to come. Mm. And so when, when, as someone who's being interviewed, or if you interview others, then you always want to make sure that you set the stage really well. Like, tee them up for greatness, and don't ever leave your own intro in somebody else's hands. Like, when I when I spoke recently in New Jersey, I, I had it written out, like, this is what I once said. And, and I noticed throughout the weekend that the MC was ad-libbing things, and I went up to her and I said... Don't do that to me. I've written it out with a purpose. And this is how I want to be introduced. She's like, oh, I just kind of go off the cuff. And I said, no, 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 don't do that to me. I wrote it with a purpose and it's integral to what the message is for the audience. So mm. what you do is less important to the audience. I'm a professional. So read it the way it is. And she did. She did. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, she kept it very low energy. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's, it's really easy if we forget why we're doing what we're doing, which is to make an impact in someone's life, then I would just do things off the cuff if I was an MC and leave it to chance. But that's not how professionals do things. Because then that means that, remember that have a horse in the race, that I'm showing up pleasing instead of servicing. And that's not okay. Because if I'm going to be a pleaser, then I should be paying you. But when I show up serving, then I get paid. And God wants us to always give our best too, you know, and that, that was just a lot of weight with me is do this is unto the Lord. I mean, I want to make sure I'm doing it to the best of my ability for him, make him proud. Um, otherwise I'll just feel guilty. You like to feel guilty? No, I said, otherwise I'll feel guilty. Oh, so remember you can't feel anything you don't first think. Our feelings are simply a symptom of our thinking. Hmm. So I would encourage you to just like take that thinking before him because guilt isn't from him. That's good. Pastor Dr. Barbara too. Yeah. Right? There's another word we're going to put above the above the doctor. Well, Dr. Barbara, thank you so much for your thank time today. Thank you. This was really fun. And wish you nothing but the best in the rest of 2021 and, and beyond. You as well. Thank you so much. Well, I told you guys that that one was going to be fun. I hope you enjoyed Dr. Barbara Eaton and I's podcast today and you learned something that you can take back to your business to help it grow. If you're specifically a chiropractor and you're looking to get to that next level, please visit her website, drbarbaraeaton.com. You can hire her for an uh, online coach to help you get to the next level, have her come do speaking, or she's got an online course, a 56-day chiropractic boot camp that you can also join in. Dr. Barb Eaton, if you're tuning in right now and listening to this, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I enjoyed our chat. I love that we were able to do it in person, and I hope we get to do it again soon if I'm, when I'm back up in Alaska. And hey, if you're ever down in Florida, let's get together also and do another podcast in person. So wish you nothing but the best, and absolutely love your happy-go-lucky attitude, your smile, and just your continued just love for helping people get to the next level. Uh, it's contagious. So thank you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. And guys, we'll be here next week with another awesome guest. So stay tuned for the next episode of the Finally Marketing Networks podcast. We'll see you then.